This episode of the Fit Cookie Nutrition Podcast is brought to you by Koros Global. To get a free accessory with any Koros watch purchase, visit the link in the show notes and use code FITCOOKIENUTRITION at checkout. Hey everybody, I'm Holly Samuel and I'm a registered dietitian, personal trainer, master of health education and eating disorders, and I am your host today. And we are diving into a solo episode, so hopefully you guys enjoy these. And if not, I've got some great guests lined up for you for the next couple of episodes, so you can make sure that you have those on your calendar. But today um, we are going to talk about a topic that I always feel like I talk about too much. um, And then I don't want to talk about it anymore. And then someone asked me the question, what's the difference between a dietitian and a health coach or a nutritionist? Or who should I be getting my nutrition information from? How does one become a dietitian? And then I get those questions and I'm like, all right, (laughs) clearly I need to continue talking about this because, you know, people just don't know, Um, which I think in my corner of the world, it's a little bit easier to know. But for the general public, yeah, like, why would you know what the difference is? Um, Because it's so specific, right? So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how one becomes a dietitian, um, who we should be taking our nutrition um, advice from. And a little bit about um, what some of the other professions are in the nutrition world and what some of the problems are with nutrition misinformation. Uh, This is a topic that's obviously very near and dear to my heart. And I wanted to release this episode as a bonus episode in light of it being um, National Nutrition Month in March. And also because on Wednesday this past week um, on March uh, 9th was National Dietitian Day, um, which prompted a lot of questions (laughs) that I was getting about this. So I figured, hey, let's do a podcast episode. So first off, if anyone's curious, I'm just going to give a little bit of my own background on my road to becoming a dietitian. Um, I've been a dietitian now for five years, uh, which is wild. Time flies when you're having fun. Um, And my education has taken let's see, seven years um, to get from, you know, freshman undergrad to dietitian um, with the credentials that I currently possess. So when I started school, um, I went to the University of New Hampshire and I started school pre-med. I wanted to be maybe a doctor or a physician's assistant, nurse practitioner. I wasn't totally sure yet what path I wanted to take, but I knew that I liked the sciences and I wanted to definitely have, you know, a degree that was in science so that I could go, you know, do something with that post-grad. Something which I'll give a shout out to UNH for um, that they make us do as freshmen is they make us take like a one credit, like get to know your major, what's your path look like, what can you do with this major type course our freshman year. And honestly, the class was kind of annoying <laughs> to go to, but it was awesome because it basically let me know that I really didn't want to be a doctor. Like I didn't really want to continue my pre-medical degree with the intentions of going to med school. Like I just didn't really want to learn about medicine, um, you know, and and drugs and treating people um, with medication. That's just not really what I wanted to learn about. And medical doctor, obviously, there's a lot of different things doctors know and can do, but that is a really big piece of the education. And obviously, the education path to become a physician is 
very, very long in the US. Um, and that's just not something that I really wanted that bad. And when you, you know, want to be a doctor or, you know, a healthcare provider, like you got to really want it because it takes a really long time <laughs> to, you know, get through the education process. So luckily my advisor, my freshman year was the anatomy and physiology professor. And she was also um, an advisor for the nutrition department in addition to pre-med, because honestly, the majors are almost the same. Um, so she was like, I think you might like this path <laughs> better. Um, there's this thing, it's called a dietitian. Um, this is kind of what the path looks like. And this is what you do with the education that you get. And treating people with food, um, you know, being able to apply more preventative strategies and learning more about overall health and wellness from a holistic standpoint, um, and really being able to focus in that, um, that was what I wanted to do. So that's kind of what led me on that path to become a dietitian. And to be honest, my major, I think I had to take like a couple extra nutrition classes on top of my pre-med degree. And I was caught up because the degrees are almost identical. Um, I think the difference was that I had to take more nutrition specific, like biochem and chem and microbiology classes. Um, I had to take more nutrition counseling, um, you know, and like kind of psychology classes that were focused on nutrition, food science and that kind of thing. But all the other sciences were the exact same as pre-med. Um, so to become a dietitian, um, you have to then, after completing your four-year undergraduate program in dietetics, um, that is basically approved by the National Board of Dietetics um, for that specific university, your senior year, you then go through a matching process, um, which is incredibly stressful. It's very similar to other like healthcare degrees um, where you get matched to your postgraduate experience. Um, so you kind of get to pick where you're applying, but you don't get into like a bunch and then get to choose. It's like not how it works. <laughs> you get matched to one um, dietetic internship and that is where you are going. So my senior year, I kind of learned um, that this was extremely competitive um, and very kind of scary to do. Um, I will say they didn't do a great job like warning me about that, but I guess, you know, that kind of makes sense that they would want to encourage students because, you know, your degree is not totally useless if you don't get matched to an internship. But that being said, um, I was very lucky and I got matched to um, the University of New Hampshire's dietetic internship. So after completing a four-year undergraduate degree in dietetics, taking classes like biology, chemistry, organic chemistry, microbiology, um, microbes of human disease, pathophysiology, uh, psychology, biochemistry, nutritional biochemistry, food science, nutrition counseling, and that sort of thing. Um, we also took a lot of like statistics and research, like how to read research um, based classes, because that's a really important part of my career. And UNH is a research university. Um, so that was a big part of the curriculum. So after you do your undergrad degree and you hopefully get matched to a dietetic internship, which are basically 1200 hour experiences that are unpaid. Actually, you pay tuition typically for them. So you're paying to work. Um, they're about a year long for the most part, although many of them now are combined with master's degrees, so they can be two to three years long um, because dietitians after 2024 are going to be required to have a master's degree. Um, 
you start this internship and it's a 1200 hour supervised experience in three to four different areas. So it's mandatory to have experience in food service, community nutrition, which is super broad, um, and also clinical nutrition. So essentially working the floors of a hospital, ICU, renal, um, you know, med surge floors, that type of thing. And then most internships also have like a specialty that they focus on. So UNH's was health promotion and disease prevention. There's other internships that do like eating disorders, sports nutrition, um, you know, and that kind of thing. So you can kind of pick which one you want to do, but a lot of them are going to look the same because they do have to have 1200 hours in those specific experiences of food service community and clinical nutrition. And then you might learn a thing or two about the specialty as well that that internship focuses on. So um, after you do this internship, where you're basically working full time and taking classes and paying to do that, um, you can sit for your board's exam. Um, and again, after 2024, you're also going to have to have a master's degree um, before you're allowed to sit for the board's exam. My path, um, I'm grandfathered into not having to have a master's degree. So I did my internship and then I sat for my board's exam. And then I actually went on to do my master's degree after sitting for my board's exam um, before I knew this was going to be a requirement. <laughs> but um, the order that you would want to go in now would be undergrad, internship, master's program, um, or vice versa, master's program, then internship, and then board's exam. So you then sit for this board's exam, which is honestly horrendous. It's like, you know, I don't know that it's like the hardest board exam for healthcare providers that exists, um, because healthcare providers take extremely challenging, grueling, long um, board's exams. But the nutrition for dietitians board exam, it ranges from anywhere of like, describe the qualities of a good muffin to like, how loud is it allowed to be in a kitchen by decibel to like, you have a patient in the ICU with an 80% surface area burn. Um, this is their situation. What percent amino acid solution are you giving them in their TPN, you know, total parental nutrition feeding? And it's like, what? How is one like how is one person allowed to be in charge of all of those different areas? <laughs> like it's kind of crazy. Um, so it's a lot of um, questions on that board's exam that are all over the place. Um, very stressful. <laughs> and then you essentially hopefully pass it. Um, and then basically every five years for dietitians, you have to do seventy five hours of continuing education. Um, and to be licensed in your state, a lot of states require additional continuing education to maintain licensure. And some dietitians will also go on to specialize further. There's a lot of different specialties you can do that are certifications and recognized by um, basically our national certification board, like sports nutrition, um, pediatric nutrition, critical care, diabetes, um, weight management, and that kind of thing. So those require an additional 2,000 to 2,500 hours of supervised experience. And you have to take a board's exam and pass that as well. And my understanding too is every few years, you have to recertify um, and take another board's exam just to stay current. So all of this to say, um, dietitians, at absolute, you know, minimum, have an undergraduate degree in dietetics that is very science heavy. 
um, and nutrition focused. Then they do a 1,200-hour internship experience, and they sit for a board's exam and maintain continuing education requirements. Um, and after 2024, that bare minimum will be expanded to also having a master's degree. Other dietitians may even do more things like specialize and get continuing certifications by CDR, um, which is our certification board nationally recognized. So there's a lot of hoops <laughs> to jump through, if you will. There's a lot of you know standards that we have to be held to, code of ethics that we have to maintain. Um, you know, we have to do code of ethics training as part of our continuing education every five years. So it's a very standardized, um, controlled profession. Um, and when you are seeing a registered dietitian, you can know that they have jumped through all those hoops. They have crossed their T's and dotted their I's in all of those ways. And you can rely on that being the case. When you see someone who calls themselves a nutritionist, um, and that's really confusing. I get called nutritionist like all the time. Um, and basically all dietitians can call themselves nutritionists, um, but not all nutritionists can call themselves dietitians because basically you could call yourself a nutritionist. There's not much regulation around that particular word. Um, some states do require some sort of education in order to license one as a nutritionist, but it's pretty um, widespread, unstandardized, um, and there's no hoops to jump through, essentially. For the most part, to call thyself a nutritionist. So you really don't know what that person has done in terms of educational background in nutrition. They could have, you know, lost 50 pounds and gone on a health journey themselves. And now they think they can help everyone else with their own health journey and call themselves a nutritionist, even though they have no formal education in the topic. Um, or they could have their PhD in nutrition. They just didn't go the dietitian route and get licensed, um, which means they have a ton of education, very specific, um, but they're just not a dietitian, but they're still more educated than maybe other nutritionists are. So it's a little bit hit or miss. So I would definitely recommend taking nutrition advice with extra caution from someone who's calling themselves a nutritionist and dive maybe into um, what qualifies them to give nutrition advice or maybe what doesn't qualify them to give nutrition advice. The term um, certified nutrition specialist, this is a term that is protected nationally. Um, this particular certification has specific hoops to jump through that are similar to those of a dietitian. Um, it is a little bit less schooling um, as my understanding, or sometimes people can have more education than what's required. Um, so this is certified nutrition specialist or CNS um, is something that you know does have some sort of standardized educational background um, and is similar as a dietitian. It's not recognized in every state, um, but it is something recognized nationally. So that is something to consider. Um, when we talk about you know health coach or coach, nutrition coach, those types of titles, um, again, not not very regulated, um, not very consistent or standardized across the board. So basically a health coach, um, this person may have gotten a certification to be a health coach from organizations like ACE, um, ACSM, and well coaches, you know, those types of third-party organizations. Um, typically these require some sort of reading of a book or, you know, like 
going to classes or doing online classes, but they're typically, you know, a couple hours of education, um, maybe a couple weeks of education at most, but very much, you know, a fraction of what a dietitian gets. Um, and then this person typically sits for an exam um, and has to do continuing education if it's with an organization like ACSM or ACE. Um, but again, that's not super standardized yet across the board. I know that there is more um, standardization looking to be had for health coaches as they can have a supporting role in wellness culture and diet like nutrition culture in our healthcare system. But um, right now, it's not super standardized. So again, I would definitely proceed with caution when taking any nutrition advice from this person. They're definitely not qualified to provide individualized advice on medical conditions for nutrition, which I see happening very often in the Instagram world. Um, I've gone through ACE health coaching certifications myself. Um, I had to do it for one of my previous jobs. Um, and a lot of the, nu the nutrition information, to be honest, was outdated <laughs> um, and inaccurate. And um, there was definitely a lot of training in there about scope of practice and how you know, it would be when when it would be time to refer to a dietitian as a health coach. So at least, you know, scope of practice seems to be addressed in training, um, although it's not necessarily, you know, extremely standardized and regulated. In my experience, um, I did let, you know, that particular coaching certification lapse. I just didn't find it super valuable compared to my dietetics background and training. Although it was helpful, um, I could see it being very helpful for someone to learn about like how to coach someone and how to work with people in like a one-on-one -on -one setting, um, if that's not education you already have. So a little bit of background there. Um, but again, the term like nutrition coach or just coach, like it doesn't, it's not regulated. Um, it doesn't really mean that you have any specific background education. Some people may have like a preci precision nutrition um, certification or something like that. But again, it really is a fraction of um, experience compared to the, you know, five to seven year process it takes to become a registered dietitian. So these people may have helpful supportive roles to give like general nutrition recommendations to the general public. But when it comes to like specific health conditions or, you know, individualized meal plans or anything like that, that's, you know, absolutely not something that they can do. When we talk about personal trainers, um, so the CPT certified personal trainer, certification through something like ACE, ACSM, NASM. Um, this is something that I actually have. I have my certified personal training certification through ACSM. Um, so personal trainers obviously can give like very specific recommendations around exercise and building like fitness um, plans and exercise routines. Um, and they can give general nutrition information similar to that of a, like a health coach um, certification. Again, this is a test that I've taken. <laughs> um, and the nutrition scope is very, very small. If someone basically asks, Hey, like, you know, is this healthy for me to eat? You know, the personal trainer could say, well, you know, this could be part of a balanced diet. They can give general nutrition, um, information, but they cannot give individualized nutrition advice around medical conditions. They cannot do individualized meal plans, macros or anything like that, which again, happens all the time. Um, so that's also something to consider. Um, you know, if you do meet a dietitian who also has a health coaching certification and a personal trainer certification like myself, 
um, you know, then that's different. They have that bigger background of education, so they can give more individualized advice. Um, but again, if you're meeting someone who goes by coach or personal trainer and they're giving specific, you know, nutrition recommendations for your specific like medical condition, or they're giving you a meal plan, or they're giving you your calories or your macros, that is absolutely not something they should be doing. Um, so proceed with caution. All right, let's take a minute to hear a word from our sponsor for this episode, which is Koros Global. Hey, everybody, have you heard from our newest sponsor, Koros Wearables? Koros makes GPS watches that help athletes train to be their best. Koros uses top-of-the-line hardware with innovative technology to provide endurance athletes with the gear that they need. When you use a Koros product, you know you're getting a tool that has been designed, tested, and perfected for the athlete by the athlete. And speaking of athletes sponsored by Koros Global, have you heard of Elliot Kipchoge, Des Linden, Emma Bates, Molly Seidel? I mean, come on, you've probably heard of them, and they use Koros products. Koros watches allow you to create your own personalized workouts and training plans for running, cycling, swimming, and even strength or core workout at the gym. If you need an extra reminder to properly fuel during your workout, Koros has you covered with their customizable nutrition alerts. So you can basically have me on your wrist, pinging you every 30 to 45 minutes on your runs to remind you to fuel. Pretty cool stuff. Koros users have set world records, Elliot Kipchoge, and been to the highest point on earth, pushing their products to the extremes. At Koros, creation and innovation is never ending. And for Koros, the user is the focus. So if you are looking to try out a new Koros product and you want to be part of the Koros community, you can use code FITCOOKYNUTRITION at checkout to receive a free accessory with your watch purchase. You can use the link that's in the show notes to do this, and you just can pick out whatever accessory that you want on their page and add it to your cart, and you'll get it for free with the code FITCOOKYNUTRITION. I personally switched over to the Koros Apex over a year ago now from my Garmin Forerunner 220, which I also loved, but the Apex is gorgeous. It's probably one of their more simple models, which kind of defines what I look for in a watch. I just want it to be simple, although this one does still have quite a few bells and whistles that I use. Um, and it's honestly super comfortable to wear. It's not too big on your wrist. And the interface is really, really pretty, and the app is easy to use. So again, if you're looking to try out a Koros product, visit the link in the show notes. Use code FITCOOKYNUTRITION at checkout to get a free accessory with your purchase. Now let's get back to today's episode. All right, so now I want to talk about other healthcare providers um, and if they should be giving nutrition advice, what their educational background is, and just some background information on them. Um, so our MDs, our DOs, um, our doctors of the world, um, obviously these folks go through a ton of education in sciences. Um, they learn so much about how the human body works, about different health conditions, how to treat them, um, with medicine holistically, you know, and there's different specialties as well. Um, the basically national Academy of sciences does require 
MDs, DOs, doctors, um, to have 25 contact hours of experience in nutrition. Now, again, this is 25 hours of their, you know, several thousand hours of education that's required. Um, so it's a very small amount. It's extremely small, you know, compared to that of a dietitian who's a healthcare provider who focuses in nutrition specifically. Um, but doctors do receive, you know, some nutrition education, but it's very, very minimal in their very large body of schooling. There was actually one study done um, that basically said um, medical institutions across the U.S. only offer on average 23.9 contact hours of nutrition education within their medical programs, which is, of course, lower than the 25 contact hours that is allegedly required by the National Academy of Sciences for medical professionals. So even though we require 25, mm, a lot of our, you know, institutions seem to be providing a little bit less than that even. So again, this is not to bash doctors. They're incredible people and they literally have to learn so much in their education in order to help us. But my point being is that their sole focus is not on learning nutrition to help you. Um, they have to learn so many other things. The dietitian's sole focus is learning nutrition to help you. Um, so these, you know, should still be where the referrals are coming to from your doctor. If you do need to learn more about nutritional counseling, doctors are going to be able to give, you know, very surface level baseline nutrition recommendations, um, you know, based off of their general education in nutrition, which is quite minimal. Um, however, that being said, doctors can go on and specialize and do more continuing education on nutrition if they choose. So that's something to consider as well. If a doctor has kind of, you know, go gone on to learn more about that, um, it's not required of them to do that, but it's something that some of them maybe have done. So again, with healthcare providers, um, you know, and I'm using the physician as probably the highest level of like schooling educational background as an example, um, their education in nutrition is quite minimal um, at baseline, generally speaking. So proceed with caution um, when taking specific individualized nutrition advice for them. Um, and they should be, you know, referring you to a dietitian because the dietitian is going to be able to spend more time with you on this. They've been training their whole lives to support you in your, in your nutrition. That's all we do. <laughs> so um, that's kind of our integral part of the healthcare system. Um, and that's kind of the relationship that a lot of doctors seem to have with dietitians. As far as other healthcare professionals, like doctors of physical therapy, nurses, um, you know, that type of thing. There's obviously so many different healthcare professionals out there. But um, again, the nutrition education requirements are quite minimal, um, maybe even less so than that of a doctor. So proceed with caution, um, unless the person has gone out and tried to do more continuing education on this. Um, but again, keeping in mind, dietitians have literally thousands of hours of experience just to sit for the board's exam. So um, the purpose of this podcast, you know, is really just to enlighten you on the differences between the different people out there who are giving nutrition advice. It could be someone off the street who, you know, eats food and they think they can give nutrition advice, even though they have no formal education in it and absolutely are not qualified to be doing that. It could be someone, you know, who has gone on to get their PhD in nutrition, but they're not called a dietitian, but they still know a lot about nutrition and maybe are a bit more qualified to give nutrition advice. But the most qualified person is definitely a registered dietitian. It's literally what we train to do is to give you, you know, 
sound <laughs> nutrition information and advice. Um, dietitians are the only people who can give individualized medical nutrition advice for certain health conditions. We are the only people who can do individualized meal plans, calorie counts, macros, that kind of thing, even though I know a lot of us choose not to do that. This, this podcast is not going to get into the nuances between issues with the dietetics profession, like that it's not super accessible for people who don't have a lot of money to pay for the education, um, that it is mostly female, mostly white um, community and that type of thing. That's definitely a problem and probably going to be a podcast all on its own very soon. <laughs> um, but, you know, in terms of qualified to give nutrition advice and standardized um, educational background on nutrition, your registered dietitian, otherwise known as dietitian, registered dietitian nutritionist, RD or RDN, or even licensed dietitian or licensed dietitian nutritionist, LD or LDN, all of those words and acronyms, that's who you want to look for when you are looking for nutrition advice. Not getting nutrition advice from a dietitian, getting nutrition advice from someone else who does not have the educational background would be quite literally very similar to asking someone who, you know, watches like Grey's Anatomy on TV to do surgery on you rather than a real surgeon. Now that would get very messy <laughs> um, if you were to do that. And I see this all the time. People go to so many other places to get nutrition information because we all eat food. So we all think that we should know what to do or that we can give advice. Um, but that's really not true. Um, so the next time you know, you hear questionable nutrition advice or something flashy that you're curious about, you know, see who it's coming from, check the source. Is it coming from a registered dietitian? Do they have a really strong educational background in nutrition? Or is it someone who, you know, has an ideal body for our thin ideal that, you know, is appealing and we just kind of want to buy from them because we like the way that they look or we like the things that they're saying, um, or they're flashy, even though they have no qualifications to be telling you this. Um, and to use the surgeon analogy even further, when I do, you know, finally get someone who has gone to so many other people to get nutrition advice, and they finally end up in front of me, um, and they finally seek out a registered dietitian, I spend so much time, you know, we both spend so much time together unlearning the misinformation undoing the psychological patterns that we've picked up and that have been planted from non-dietitians, um, that it takes a really long time and it takes a lot of energy, um, you know, versus just kind of starting with a dietitian from the beginning, not having to unlearn misinformation, not having to undo past thinking patterns that are really, really detrimental. So nutrition misinformation is not innocent. Um, you know, once you finally go to that real surgeon for your surgery, um, the surgeon's not only going to have to do the original surgery, but they're also going to have to fix all the botch work done by the fake surgeon. <laughs> so keeping that in mind, um, if you're listening to this podcast, I really appreciate you. You seem to be wanting to hear nutrition information from a credible source, which is huge and awesome. Um, and I really don't take that lightly. I'm very honored to be one of your resources. So if you wanted to leave me a five-star rating and review on your podcast player so that other people can be getting credible nutrition sports information from a credible source, um, I would really appreciate that. You can feel free to share this episode if people have questions um, about what the difference is between a dietitian and a health coach or a nutritionist um, or who we should be getting nutrition advice from. 
That would also be great. If you are a dietetic intern or a nutrition student and you are on your path to becoming a dietitian, feel free to reach out to me um, if you need support or have any questions. Um, I do like pick my brain sessions that I offer, um, which you can learn more about on my website, fitcookingnutrition.com, which I'll link in the show notes. If you want career advice, if you need help, um, that's always something that I'm happy to offer. So I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. And until next time, happy running and get your nutrition information from nutrition professionals who are qualified to give you said nutrition information. Bye, guys. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thank you.